Today I'm with Neil Gilbert, a psychotherapist and a touch for healing practitioner who is here from Indiana. So welcome Neil. Thank you Beverly, it's great to be with you. Thank you and it was so lovely to be part of your presentation last week in Nice. Mm. It's a wonderful opportunity to uh, share what I have learned and we had a lovely crowd and it went very well and so I thank you for hosting that. It's a beautiful thing to be able to do. Yes, so for our listeners, Neil gave a presentation to a large group in Nice last Wednesday about healing energy and opening up your heart chakra. We did a, a particular technique from Healing Touch, that's the energy therapy that I've been trained in. And there's maybe 15 or 20 different techniques under the umbrella, the curriculum of Healing Touch. And we did what's called a spiral meditation, which helps balance all of our chakra energy centers. Would you like to explain what the chakra energy centers are? Uh, this stuff has been known in the East for thousands of years and it's becoming more known in, in the West and even accepted by some uh, progressive medical doctors in the West. We all have energy centers that are called chakras. That's a Sanskrit word that comes from India that literally translates as spinning wheel or vortex. Our chakras are not anatomical, but they're energy centers and they're located roughly where our endocrine glands are. And because where the glands are, there's a lot of hormonal and biochemical and nerve plexus connections there. That's a big reason why it sets up an energy center in those locations. So we have seven major energy centers or chakras. And then there are several minor ones at the wrist and the ankle and the knees as well. Fabulous. And I know you explained to us last week if the heart center is out of balance, we can be disconnected with those around us and so much more. Would you like to go through the chakras maybe and explain what happens? Sure. The heart center is the middle energy center of seven. So we have three energy centers, chakras below the root at the base of the spine, the sacral, which is just below the belly button, the solar plexus, which is um, pit of the stomach, the heart center in the middle, the throat chakra in our throat, Adam's apple area, the brow chakra, which is between the eyebrows, third eye, and the crown at the top of the head. The root is thought to be our connection to the earth and survival. The sacral chakra is thought to be uh, feelings and sexuality. Solar plexus, it depends who you read. Some people would say feelings are more located at sacral. Other people that you read would say feelings are more at the solar plexus which is also the seat of willpower and determination. The heart is the center of healing and compassion. The throat is expression and creativity. The brow is wisdom and intellect. And the crown at the top of the head is our connection to divine spirit. What we say is that all healing ultimately is self-healing. Sometimes we need the doctor for medication, but Ultimately, all healing is self-healing, and when we're balanced and open, then we have the best chance for our own natural self-healing. 
So we want our chakras to all be open and active and roughly the same level of activity. And we want to be open and clear so that we're not holding on to old emotional wounds or old physical wounds that we experience whatever life brings to us and then we feel it and then we let go ideally and move on. So when we're balanced and clear, then emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, we have the best chance to lead a healthy life. And how does one know when we're balanced or out of balanced? Well, good question. It could manifest um, emotionally, so I just feel off sometime. I feel out of sorts, I'm irritable, I'm in a bad mood, so emotionally we might experience some of those feelings. Mentally, if our brain doesn't work as quickly or clearly, as ideally we wish it would or how it usually works. And then also physically, if we're out of balance, if we're clogged up, if our chakras are holding on to old stuff, then in, in extreme cases, physical illness can manifest as well. And how did you get into this type of work? Would you like to share a bit about your background? Sure, I, I'll do that. Um, I went to uh, undergraduate at George Washington in Washington, D.C. I majored in uh, political science at that time in my life. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, but I went to school in Washington, D.C. It's the center of government, and the University of GW specialized in political science, so it was like a no-brainer kind of decision for me. It wasn't really wasn't a decision. It just sort of, I fell into it. Um, later on, I got a master's degree in counseling psychology from Notre Dame, which is located in South Bend. And I worked for several years at a, a small clinic in South Bend called Family and Children's Center. I got hired by this woman named Carol Bagley. I hadn't even graduated from Notre Dame, had zero experience doing counseling and psychotherapy. And this lady, Carol Bagley, was like an angel, and she liked me, and she hired me on the spot, and I worked there for about eight or nine years doing counseling with people that would come in from the community, individuals, some marital stuff, working with some kids. Then, um, after a while, I realized that if I was going to stay in the psychotherapy business, that an MSW, a master's in social work, was really a better degree than a MA, a Master in Arts in Counseling Psychology. So I went back to school to Western Michigan in Kalamazoo, Michigan, commuted for two years to get a MSW degree. And then, let's see if I can remember all this, it goes back quite a ways. I worked uh, initially at a agency called Family Learning Center and they had a program that they called an employee assistance program started by a woman named Dot Feldman who was a great influence on my professional life. So I worked for in their employee assistance program. It was a benefit that they offered to businesses to access counseling services before the individual might access their health insurance to use for psychotherapy. It's a little complicated to explain all that, but I worked there for a few years, 
for, for one year, really. And then I did my second year field placement at an um, agency, a community development organization in South Bend called South Bend Heritage Foundation. And I got more interested in community social work compared to clinical social work, which I did the first part of my professional career. So I ended up working for South Bend Heritage and I did some community organizing and some grant writing for them. And then um, different things happened with, uh, in that job and I began working for a national community development organization called Center for Community Change, which is based in Washington, D.C. They were consultants to South Bend Heritage Foundation and they started a new program that they were able to uh, get grants for with Apple Computer where we gave away computers to not-for-profit community development organizations all over the country and my job was to train these organizations in how to use the computer and how to communicate with one another to build a national community of community development organizations. That job ended because the grant ran out and they couldn't get it refunded. I worked there for about three, four years. And then I went back into uh, clinical social work and started doing psychotherapy, worked at Family Learning Center, which where I had been before. Worked there for about four or five years. They changed and let's see, what did I do then? I started my own private practice half time and at the same time, I was also working at the hospital. Memorial Hospital in South Bend started an alternative medicine clinic called, what was it called? Center for Integrative Healing. The hospital established this clinic and I did energy therapy and talk counseling in this clinic. It only lasted for about three years. The hospital had a reputation as starting innovative programs and then when it didn't make enough money, they would pull the plug and kill the program. Oh, they would what do a that. shame. Yeah. It was a little bit too progressive for South Bend, Indiana. And so I stayed with my private practice and uh, developed that into actually a full-time job. Uh, and that's gone pretty well. I'm very happy with how that's gone. And last year, about a year ago, I went half-time. So now I'm half-time retired, half-time working which allows me to come to Nice for an extended period of time with my wife. Well, we're very blessed to have you here. Wow, what an interesting, colorful background you've had. I've so been very lucky to have been exposed to several different kinds of professional work and had wonderful teachers and experienced a lot of training that different work sites have put me through. So I've been exposed to a lot of wonderful teachers and I believe in sharing what I've learned. Yeah, well, from political science to healing, it's a very diverse career. And what about your parents? Were they politicians or? Uh, my father was in the clothing business. He's had a men's clothing store in South Bend, Indiana, pretty successful business. My mother was a, a stay-at-home mom. One of the things about my father, he, uh, he never pushed me to go into the family business. I had a cousin and an uncle that were involved in the family business. And thank goodness he, he knew that it wasn't my thing, so he never 
pushed me into the family business and he supported me in finding my own path which led me to learn to do psychotherapy and energy healing so I'm very grateful for that yeah and you are an amazing healer thank you so I was super excited when you gave the meditation the spiral meditation last week do you think you could run our listeners through it yes um the spiral meditation was developed by one of my great teachers, Dr. Brew Joy. Brew developed a couple different techniques that have been incorporated into the Healing Touch curriculum. The spiral meditation has three kind of uh, components to it. We start out by opening the spiral. We start with our hand at our heart chakra and we put ourselves in the consciousness of sending energy to ourself. Then we keep our hand at the heart chakra and shift our consciousness to receiving. So the first step is we're sending energy to ourself and then we shift to opening and receiving and allowing energy to come in from this hand that just happens to be our own hand. Then we move down to the solar plexus chakra and we shift our consciousness back to sending, leaving our hand at solar plexus, shift our consciousness to receiving, and then we continue that pattern throughout all of the major and most of the minor chakras, where we move to the next chakra, and we shift back to sending, shift to receiving, move to the next chakra, sending and receiving. And so if you look at this, in a graphic form, our hand is making a pattern of a spiral from our heart touching all of our chakras. So that's the opening step of the spiral meditation. At that point, we've made contact, sending and receiving with all of our chakras, and we're very open to whatever we might choose to do at that point. And so often people would do any kind of a meditation, on their own, they might just sit quietly and listen to music for a minute or two, or they could just rest quietly, you don't have to do anything. And then we close the spiral and we move in an opposite direction. So when we open the spiral, we're moving in a clockwise direction. When we close the spiral after the rest period, we're moving in a counterclockwise direction. And we close the spiral more rapidly uh, compared to the timing on when we opened the spiral. Wonderful. Would you like to talk the audience through it? Is that possible? Um, or is it, it would better? take a long time to do that. That's probably not... that. I don't think that we would do that here today. Okay. So maybe if they contact you, would they be able to get an introduction to this meditation? Um, the best way, if somebody was interested in learning to do the spiral meditation, they could contact me and I have a written narrative of the steps that people could walk themselves through. Another way, if people wanted to spend a couple of dollars or a couple of euros, um, I know on Amazon there is a recording that Brew Joy, who created this particular technique, Brew has a uh, recording, I know you can get it on Amazon, I don't know where else, and the, the, the tape is called Healing with Body Energy. 
by Brew Joy, B-R-U-G-H, and his last name is Joey, J-O-Y. And I don't think it's very expensive, and people could order the tape, and there's a teaching booklet uh, that comes with it as well. Oh, fantastic. So could you um, tell the audience, or share, could you please share with the audience the success story of one of your clients? Huh, okay. Let me think. Um, I'm working with a woman uh, who, I'll change her name, her, I'll say her name was Valerie, but that's not really her name. And she had a childhood that was uh, extremely uh, abusive. Her father was regularly physically abusive and beat her regularly. It was a horrible thing. She loved him and respected him but he was mean and abusive, so it was a complicated relationship she had with her father. And what often happens in cases of abuse or molestation is that people will block out memories of what happened because the memory is too traumatic and it creates just too much anxiety or depression or upset when people would remember the traumatic experience. And she, what happened was she um, had this younger part of herself, her inner child, that was calling out to her, but she didn't want to open up to her own inner child because that child was the repository of all the suffering that she experienced and all the trauma. And she was afraid that if she opened up to that inner child within herself that the emotional result of that would just be so overwhelming that it, she just couldn't tolerate it. That was her fear. So we spent a number of sessions talking about this and trying to help her connect with this. And she was still searching for a way to connect with this uh, lost inner child, her own younger self. And one of the sessions, we got her up on the massage table and I was doing an energy balancing technique called a chakra connection. And she reported this immediately after the session that she was able to make a connection with this younger child, her own inner child that she had distanced herself from. And she reached out to her younger child, her younger child reached out to her, and they embraced in this experience, kind of this visual dreamlike vision that she felt and experienced and actually went through during the middle of the energy healing session. So it was a very powerful experience. Those kinds of things don't happen every time during a session, but once in a while it can be pretty dramatic. Wow, that's incredible, that story, because yeah. when you think about how many children are abused by their parents or siblings or school teachers, Sunday school teachers, etc., or people in their classroom, I'm sure you would be in high demand. Or what do normally people come to see you for? Um, most people that would uh, come to me are coming for talk counseling primarily, and they may or may not be aware of the energy therapy that I do. Most people will look up my website and so they'll see that I do talk counseling, psychotherapy, and energy therapy, 
but it's kind of a new thing for them, the energy therapy, so they're curious. So with maybe about a half of the people that come to me, we will, for part of the session, talk about whatever their issues are, things that they're seeking help for. And then for part of the session, I get them up on the table, it's all fully closed, the massage table, and I work to balance and clear their energy. So I've learned to integrate these two modalities of talk counseling, counseling and energy balancing and clearing, and it's a wonderful combination to help promote change. And is it difficult to keep the balance in alignment after a session? Um, well, the, the, the simple answer is it depends. <laughs> uh, most people, it almost always happens that people will be aligned and balanced and open uh, when I work with them right at the session. But then it's up to the individual to practice their work to be able to keep themselves in balance nutritionally, physically, getting good sleep, exercise, taking care of their body, taking care of themselves mentally and emotionally so they express their feelings and don't hold on to feelings and they can be a good listener to other people and spiritually to have a practice that connects people with higher power that gets them into a place within themselves where they realize they're part of something bigger. So yes, we can, in during the session, make sure that the patient is balanced and open and clear, but then they have to continue doing their work following up afterwards, ongoing forever. Wow. And do you give people any tips or advice on how to stay on track? Because for a lot of people, it's a big change. Yes. The, in a few things I, I give as handouts to people, one of the most important things is to stay centered in your heart. The heart chakra, some people call the intuitive heart. It's a different awareness. It's a different consciousness than the mind or the brain. And so part of the practice that we teach is to stay centered in our heart as opposed to our mind or our brain. And to do that, we meditate on the four qualities or attributes of the heart center. This is work also that comes from my great teacher, Bru Joy. The four qualities of the heart center are compassion, innate harmony, healing presence, and unconditional divine love. And these are qualities to meditate on, to practice, to send to other people, to immerse ourselves in. And by practicing these four qualities, you can strengthen your own ability to stay centered in your heart. Wonderful. And do you have a recording of this? Or could you give the audience a little meditation, maybe? Yeah, we can do that here today, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. I, it's part of a meditation that I do regularly at my synagogue, do with patients of mine, where I walk people through the four attributes of the heart center. So yes, we can do that here. Great. All right, so we'll go ahead and do that right now. Happy to receive. Okay, so, well, we'll start out by closing our eyes, focusing our attention in the middle of our chest around our heart centers. Each in our own way, 
pretending that we can breathe in and out through our heart. Taking long, slow, deep breaths in and out and relaxing. And as we continue to breathe deeply and continue to relax, we know that just as there are four chambers to the physical heart, there are four qualities or attributes to the energetic or spiritual heart. The first quality of the heart center is compassion. Compassion as divine love seeing itself in another person. Compassion for yourself, the person inside your skin, as well as compassion for others. Acceptance of this present moment of our physical and spiritual journey. Compassion, feeling it inside our hearts. The second attribute of the heart center is innate harmony, having a light heart, a heart that holds no grudges, having a peaceful heart, peace beyond understanding, being calm in the midst of chaos, innate harmony. The third quality of the heart center is the healing presence. The ability of the heart to transform difficult emotion into a higher level. Leaving the past behind and opening to the future. Having a purity of intention that connects with divine intention and allows that to flow through us for our highest good and the highest good of all. Healing Presence. The fourth quality of the heart center is unconditional divine love. No strings attached, without any conditions or expectations. The force that unites all things, unconditioned, unconditional, divine love, feeling it inside our hearts. Wow. 
That was amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Wow. I'm still a little bit... Ooh. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> so get centered in your heart. Stay centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that feels good. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, I'll be floating all day in a <laughs> beautiful, happy, loving space. So if you had one secret to give about healthy living, what would it be? Hmm. One secret. Um, to live without defense. To be, to allow oneself to be vulnerable. What, what we teach is that in the first half of our life, the developmental task, the appropriate developmental task in the first half of life is to learn to be effective how to accomplish things. That's the appropriate developmental task for the first half of life. In the second half of life, particularly if we're on any kind of a spiritual path, the appropriate developmental task for the second half of life is to learn vulnerability, to be without defense. Wow, that's a big one. It's a big one, yes. It's a challenge for all of us. Yeah. There's a good talk on YouTube with Benny Brown. Mm, yes. Yeah, she's done a few TED talks. She's yes, talks she's about wonderful. Vulnerability. Mm. And I think for all of us, you know, things we could be confident in work, for example, and then something happens and we lose our confidence and self-esteem. And it's very difficult to be open and vulnerable in front of people. Mm-hmm. How do you help people with that? To recognize that it is a challenge. To allow oneself to be vulnerable is a risk. And we risk being hurt. But we all have to decide, is, is it worth the risk to experience life, whatever life brings to us, versus closing ourselves off? Yeah. As I said, it's a difficult one, and I think when I listen to people talking who are very vulnerable, my heart goes out to them, and I think most people can resonate with someone who's been vulnerable, because we, it's easier to put ourselves in their shoes. Mm-hmm. People think that if they are vulnerable, then they're weak, and In my view, that's a mistaken way of thinking about it. Because if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, then at some level we know we're strong enough to handle the vulnerability. So vulnerability is really not about weakness. It's a certain type of strength. It's a deeper strength. It's not ego strength. It comes from someplace deeper inside of us. Thank you. And who or what has inspired you most in life? Uh, It was my great teacher, Brew Joy. Brew was a medical doctor in California who uh, left his traditional medical practice and began doing psycho-spiritual development with groups primarily. And I had a chance to, over the years, to go to a number of his retreats in the desert in Arizona doing group work, group therapy, energy healing, 
uh, in amazing settings, and he was a really wonderful, could be a stern teacher, but a very loving person, and he has had a huge influence on me both personally and professionally. Fabulous. And if you could do one thing to change the world, what mm. would it be? Well, I thought about this because I thought you might ask that, and uh, what came through me was to give up, give up the need for power. Ah, that's a big one. Yes. That's a big one, and a very good one. Is there something you know now that you wish you'd known earlier that helped to get you where you are today? Hmm. Um, we learn things at different stages of our life, and I've been uh, blessed by being protected during my life. And so, I, what do I wish I would have learned? I suppose I wish I would have learned about the Heart Center earlier in my life, but then when I think about that, maybe I wasn't really ready to learn about it at an early stage in my life. When, when we're ready, then a teacher will come to us. I really believe that, and that's been my experience. So I think we need to realize that we are ready to learn different things at different stages of our life and to be open to whatever wants to come through us. That's wonderful advice, and I truly believe when the student's ready, the master appears. Yes. So, thank you for coming into my life and all the wonderful teachings that you've shared with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank um, you for uh, allowing us to have this discussion today. Thank you. And if people would like to get hold of you and find out more, how do they get in touch? Uh, you could Google me, Neil Gilbert. Um, my website is Neil Gilbert Healing Counseling. So that would be the best way, just to Google me and come up, see my website, uh, which would be just what I said, Neil Gilbert, Counseling and Healing. Wonderful. And enjoy your rest of the time on the Côte d'Azur. Thank you. Thank you.